Welcome to this week's episode of London Heal. I am so honoured to have as my guest today, Emma Williams, who is the founder and CEO of Matthew's Friends for Medical Ketogenic Dietary Therapies. Most importantly, she's mum to Matthew, whose life was saved through these diets. Emma not only cares tirelessly for Matthew, but has also raised his sister Alice as a single mum and tirelessly supports other families in this topic and has done now for more than 14 years through the organisation Matthew's Friends. She's an international speaker, author of numerous magazine articles and scientific papers. She's an international patron to Diets for Epilepsy in India and the only non-medical member of the International League Against Epilepsy. She has numerous other affiliations and also provides training for schools, hospices, respite centers, and basically all who ask. And quite rightly, in 2013, she was awarded an MBE from the Queen for her services to children with epilepsy. With that bio, Emma, and clearly a tireless schedule, thank you so much for taking the time to come talk to me today. It's my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. So let's start at the beginning. You know, with every crusade, there's always a story behind there. What's your story? And more importantly, perhaps, what's Matthew's story? I think, uh, yeah, like you say, there's always a start with everything. And Matthew was certainly that start. Um, He was born... Uh, back in 1994 and everything seemed to be okay and then at nine months old he had a seizure Um, I was told that it was probably a febrile convulsion and that he would grow out of them not to worry about it and take him home only a couple of months later there were more seizures and more seizures and more seizures and the seizures were lasting for like 15-20 minutes at a time um, and he was being rushed in and out of hospital. So he was put on medication. Obviously, it was an incredibly scary time at that time because you just don't know what's happening. Uh, epilepsy was thrown around as a possible condition he had, uh, but it was just a question of finding the right medication for him and he would be fine. Um, that was not the case for him. And this, I think, was one of the first major lessons I learned that actually there's over 30% of people in this country that are not controlled with medication. In fact, 30% of people with epilepsy anywhere in the world. And in some countries, it can actually be higher than that. So we started going through a cocktail of medications. And in amongst this cocktail of medications, the seizures weren't getting any better. If anything, they got worse. Uh, We nearly lost him on several occasions. And the side effects to those medications were just horrific. So the quality of life in between seizures was also dreadful, as well as the seizures. And every time I went back to the doctor, I was asking, you know, why is this working? You've got to stop it. Why is it happening? And they couldn't give me any answers. They just added more meds in. They didn't know why it happened. It just sometimes can happen, but it's a question of finding the right medication, et cetera, et cetera. So I went and did my own research. And that's when I came across the ketogenic diet. And I went back to the neurologist and I said, there is this diet and it's been used for epilepsy for years It's one of the oldest treatments there is. And I'd like Matthew to try it. And I was told that it was no good. It didn't work. Uh, It was unpalatable. 
why would I want to subject my son to that? Don't, didn't I think he was suffering enough? And when you're told that and you're at a, a leading centre in the country, uh, you kind of believe what they say. Of so course. I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe I was wrong, you know. And that was another uh, major lesson that I learned. that Actually, it's not the hospital that you're at or the centre you're at. It's who you're in front of. And if they don't believe in the diet, then you're not going to get there. You won't get it because they will put every obstacle in the way. Um, and every obstacle was put in my way. And I was made to feel like a really bad mother for even suggesting it. Um, so it was just a question of the right medication. By this time, Matthew had scarring all over the brain because of the status epilepticus, uh, which is a prolonged seizure condition, which can be life-threatening, which he was having regularly. Um, his quality of life was miserable. He was very violent. He would scream all day. So life was very miserable. And obviously, marriage had broken down by that time. Alice, my daughter, was very little. She had no relationship with her brother. Uh, Matthew was coming up seven. He was seven at this point. And they wanted to go back to the meds that we'd already tried. And I, to me, that was madness. And I went back and I said, no, we've got to try this diet. I don't care how bad you say it is. I've got to try it because everything you're doing is making things worse, not better. And this is when this same neurologist turned around to me and said, well, actually, my colleague next door in the next door office is uh, doing a clinical trial on this ketogenic diet. So we can put Matthew through and he can he can have a go on this trial, clinical trial. So that's what happened. He was put through to Professor Helen Cross, as she is now. And uh, she believed that the diet was needed. And therefore, she got the clinical trial off the ground to prove the efficacy once and for all. And thank God she did. Uh, so Matthew was basically signed up for the clinical trial uh, under the dietitian of Elizabeth Neal. Um, and we started the diet. And Matthew, within two weeks of starting the diet, he went from having hundreds of seizures a week to next to nothing. He had a 90% drop in his seizures within wow. two weeks. And within eight months, he was off all medication. And it was completely life-changing for everybody. And everything I'd been told about the diet was wrong. It wasn't disgusting. It wasn't unpalatable. It could be, if you put no effort into it, um, Matthew had no problems with it at all. There weren't awful, terrible side effects. It wasn't cruel. It wasn't nasty. It was daunting in the beginning, but any new diet is. But once you got used to it, you're away. And at the end of the day, it was weighing food. And it was weighing quantities of food. But this weighing out this food was actually making my son better, was making him smile, was making him laugh, was making him chilled out and not violent anymore. He was able to go swimming. He was able to run around the park. He was able to do all these other things that he wasn't able to do. And to be quite honest, that was the catalyst because I was angry. Oh, my God, I was so angry. And to be quite honest, to this day, you think that anger subsides, but really it doesn't. You just kind of bury it. So it was either, I, I always laugh about this, and I am joking when I say this, I was either going to kill a neurologist or start a charity. So <laughs> I, 
it was, you know, I don't want anybody taking me seriously on that front, but it makes you feel like that sometimes. You're like, I just can't be in the same room, room as this woman even to this day. Um, but that's the mummy coming out in me. But um, it, so it was, that was the catalyst for it. I knew I had to do something because I knew other families were being told the same thing and probably living that same nightmare that we were before we got the diet. So the whole Matthews Friends thing started. I wanted to start a charity. I wanted to sing it from the rooftops of what had happened. And it started off where I was just thought I'd do a small little support group um, and get the word out to other families. I never expected a million years for it to go the way it has. I'm delighted it has. But then there's that part of me that's also very saddened that we're still needing to do this to fight for this treatment, even though the situation is better but we still have to fight for the treatment for the families. There's a lot of clinical evidence in the meantime for this diet. Why? Where do you think the problem is that it's not actually in the sort of public space, that every GP isn't, isn't informed of this? Because that's always the first port of call, especially in the UK, but even in other countries, you will go and see your, you know, uh, assigned physician who should, who should know this. Why, why is this data and this information not out there in your opinion? I think when it comes to epilepsy, for the most part, you are looking at 50 to 60, some countries, 70% of people that are, are well controlled with their medication. Okay. And nobody's saying that we're anti-medication. Uh, if you're well controlled with your medication and you haven't got a lot of side effects, then and you can go ahead and lead a, a normal life with doing it, then that's fine. The ketogenic does, diet does require certain changes. Now, in the evidence that we have at the moment, we have what's called the class one clinical evidence, which is in children from 2 to 18, really, which is where the clinical trial was done, even though there are now a plethora of studies out there. But the diet is proven efficacious. We've got it. It's in a lot of the tertiary centers, the, the secondary set, the specialist centers, should I say. So if you present with seizures, uh, the GP will refer you to the neurologist. When you get to the neurologist, then the global consensus statement says if the first two appropriate medications fail, then the diet should be offered. Okay, so now, it is finding more more. It ears. is finding more feet. It, it, it's finding that, but... Here is the problem. One, some people do not recommend it or discuss it after two failed medications. I mean, some people would like to have it as first line. I can understand people, especially when you've got little babies, you'd much rather give them, give them an infant formula than you would medications. And I think there is a group of patients that should have it first line. But to be quite honest with the situation we're at, I'd be grateful if we could get it after two failed medications. That would be a step in the right direction. Um, but the question, the, the, the problem we have is that we do not have enough dietitians to manage this in these hospitals. So whereas we should be having thousands of people on these diets every year, I think last year when we look at the records, there were 754 people on a ketogenic diet, which is outrageous but we have a severe lack of service. There is no money in the NHS. The ketogenic diet does take some intensive um, prescription and, and at the beginning of it, it takes a lot more support. So it's not kind of cost effective 
So it's not actually bringing business into the hospital. And unfortunately, the NHS is being, unfortunately, in some cases it has to be, but because the ketogenic diet is not bringing money in, it's kind of put on the back burner a little bit. And sadly, that is the case. It is down to money at the end of the day. So the point is, though, that it's a diet that ostensibly could be perhaps not advisably um, followed with without sort of the, the role of a GP. We'll, we'll talk about that a bit more later. But Let's just go back a step and just actually define what a ketogenic diet is for those who mm-hmm. are not familiar with it. Um, we, we're starting to hear more and more and more about low carbohydrate diets and yeah. how they potentially can certainly help with diabetes, but potentially um, also other diseases, especially mm-hmm. the neurodegenerative diseases. So how yes. does the ketogenic diet differ from a low carb diet and what is it essentially? This is a thing, this is a very kind of muddy muddy water area for us. As Matthew's friends, we deal in medical ketogenic diets. These are very prescriptive diets. These are these are diets where people have chronic conditions. Uh, so they're already on treatment. So we're talking uh, complex epilepsies. We're talking metabolic diseases such as GLUT1 deficiency syndrome. And also more recently in our own clinic, we deal with brain tumours. Uh, where we're looking at whether the ketogenic diet could be a benefit to those with uh, brain cancer. But the, the whole, for lifestyle, for weight loss, for general well, health and well-being, I very much believe that we should all be cutting our carbs. We should all cut the amount of carbohydrate we eat every day. There's too much sugar in our diet. You know, we're filling up on rices and pasta and potatoes and sweets and crisps and junk food and all this kind of stuff that's going on. And all that is converting to sugar, all of it. Fruit juice is one of the worst things on the market. Everything is sugar loaded or being converted to sugar. So I do think as a nation, we should be cutting our carbs not necessarily as far as we do with ketogenic diets, these medical ketogenic diets where they are very, very low carbohydrate diets and very high fat diets. So this is, I suppose, where the difference comes in. When we're looking at medical ketogenic diets for chronic diseases, we are forcibly taking the carbohydrate away so it's really low and we are switching the metabolism over to burning fat instead of glucose which you get from carbohydrates. So what we then do is we are then forcibly feeding the body more fat because the aim of these diets are not to lose weight unless you have to. That can be a side effect sometimes, but the dietitian will be looking at how many calories you're having every day, making sure you get all the right supplements, especially when we've got growing children. You've also got to remember that these people with chronic diseases that are going on these medical diets will also be having other treatments. So they may be on other medications. They may be undergoing radiotherapy or chemotherapy. The diet could possibly interact with those. We may need to make dietary changes. So therefore, the medical team managing will be able to watch the patient and work with the patient so we're getting the best quality of life, best commitment to the diet to make sure that they benefit as much as possible. And that's our aim for it. Yeah, absolutely. So the ketogenic diet itself, you mentioned, goes into a fat, pushes a person into fat burning as opposed to, yes. um, into, as opposed to sugar burning. But, you know, traditionally, we've all grown up with the idea that your brain needs sugar. 
No, the brain doesn't. <laughs> the brain, you know, that is, we're being told to carb load, you know, you go down the gym or have a big bowl of pasta before you go. That's absolutely ludicrous. Actually have a whole boiled egg. You know, that would be, you don't need to do that. Go for protein, go for fat first, because it actually lasts longer in the body. You'll feel fuller for longer and you won't actually eat as much. So all this we're being sold this. This is a marketing match dream. Eat your cereals, eat your breads, eat your pastas. It's all going to give you lots and lots of energy. All it's doing is make a waistline. Uh, yeah, and probably a whole load of other really bad things that we've just talked about. So oh, well, how, exactly. how do you manage that um, at home, for example, in a family setting? You know, you don't need a ketogenic. Your daughter doesn't need a ketogenic. No. Does that mean that as a mum, you're now kind of having to cook twice for everything? Or is there a way of making this workable for a family? Uh, can't just say Matthew is off the ketogenic diet right. now. Those people that go on with for epilepsy... Mm-hmm. Uh, don't need to be on the diet forever. So Matthew was on the diet for six years, um, but we still are kind of low carb at home. So we would say probably in our house, we probably do about 100 grams of carb a day. So not enough to switch you into a ketogenic or fat burning metabolism. So we're still burning glucose for want of a better phrase, but we, we haven't forcibly switched that metabolism over. But we've lowered our carbs. So we would class that as a lower carbohydrate diet but it's not a high fat one. So we're just eating normal portions of protein. And if I want to put a knob of butter on my vegetables, I do. And I don't worry about it. If I want to eat a lump of cheese, I do. And I don't worry about it. I eat plenty of vegetables, plenty of low carb fruits like uh, berries and all that kind of stuff. And if we want to put double cream on it, we do. And we don't worry about it. So that's the kind of thing we do. I tend to... I. Part of my teaching with families is, well, when you're looking at the really starchy, high-carb type foods like your bread, rice, pasta, potatoes, if you look at those things on their own with nothing on them, no seasoning, no nothing on them, they are boring, bland ingredients. They are carriers. They are fillers. They're extremely cheap and people can bulk up on them. Actually, it's only when you put the fat and the protein on them that they get nice. Yeah, you know, when you put the nice creamy chicken curry with the rice, then the rice tastes nice, you know, but just have the curry on its own. You don't need the rice to go with it. You know, it's the same with spaghetti bolognese. It's the sauce and the cheese that makes the spaghetti taste nice, not the other way around. Right. So, it's that re-educating yourself and you soon get used to it and realize, actually, it's, I look at it now and go, that is just wasted calories. I don't need it. Uh, And and that's something simple that everybody in a family can do. That's a really easy way of cutting your carbs. Yeah. Which definitely, you know, without question, everyone's eating way too many carbohydrates and also eating too many processed foods. Oh Yeah. Yeah. There have been a lot of criticisms of the ketogenic diet, um, primarily because a lot of people don't eat sufficient vegetables and they Mm -hmm. eat a lot of fat and they eat a lot of protein and high amounts of protein has definitely come into question in regards to potential cancer risk. So, you know, that that was the criticism of the old Atkins diet, but uh, the modern medical ketogenics are not super, super high protein diets, right? No, 
no, no, no. Because if you eat too much protein, you won't produce the ketones. Right, because that converts into sugar. Yeah, That can can eventually convert to sugar and break down if you're eating too much of it. And if you've got too many calories going in, I had one family that I was supporting that this little lad was on a modified ketogenic diet so he could have normal portions of protein. Well, sadly, mum was like feeling a bit, well, well, I've taken all these carbs away, we'll give him some extra protein. But when I did a home visit, she's like, this this, this diet's so expensive. We're getting through like a whole chicken a day. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? And he's literally helping himself to the fridge and getting a chicken leg and dunking it in the mayonnaise, which is fabulous for a kitchen diet, but not when you're doing it 16 times a day, you know, or picking bits of chicken off. The calories was too much. The protein was too much. So when we're looking at these medical kitchen diets and more of a modified diet, we say normal portions of protein. So you shouldn't be having more protein than you would normally so there's no need for that on the diet right right the other really interesting thing that you said was that Matthew is no longer on the diet so first of all how is he doing and secondly of all why do you think that is that a period of this treatment obviously triggers something in the brain that quietens everything down um what what was the theories on that do you know, the sad thing is we still don't know why. And uh, there's there's far better uh, people out there that could probably give you better theories than I could, Professor Cross being one of them. Um, we don't understand why, but it seems to have a curative effect, especially for some children. I mean, we, we have some people that go on the ketogenic diet. Uh, the minute they go into ketosis, we kind of refer to them affectionately as slam dunkers. And they go onto the ketogenic diet, they seizures stop, they stay on the diet for two years, they never have another seizure, they get weaned off the diet, seizures don't come back, go on to lead a normal life. Why that happens, we don't know. Is it a curative effect on the brain? Possibly. Does it reset something? We don't know. Um, But all I know is that I kept Matthew on the diet for six years on various versions of the diet because I was too scared to take him off. Right. Uh, When I did, it was fine. He's still 90% controlled compared to what he was because of the scarring on his brain and because we have since discovered he has a condition called Dravet syndrome. um, He's never going to be completely seizure-free. He was very, very brain damaged. But the seizures he does have now last about 40 seconds, normally in his sleep, and then he wakes up with a big smile on his face and they're over. So, and they're not, they're not too many a week. I think he has about five to seven a week, something like that, which some people might think is horrific, but compared to where it was, it's nothing. Trust me on that fact. Um, and he's a happy lad. You know, it, the quality he has in between that life, he's a very happy boy. He's, he goes swimming three times a week. He goes to his day center. He's living at home with me. He has lovely carers that go in and look after him while I'm at work. And he loves his life and he's got a very supportive family. So why it happened with Matthew, what it did, I've got no idea. But if Matthew was to go downhill for any reason, then I would go straight back to diet first and foremost. Yeah, sounds like a very sensitive, uh, sensible move. Um, We've talked about um, sorting out epilepsy for children, but there are also a significant number of adults who who have um, epileptic episodes of of all the various different types of epilepsy. What's the evidence that a ketogenic diet can help them? 
there are studies out there which say that the ketogenic diet can help adults as it can children. Um, we have a clinic here at Matthew's Friends which uh, treat adults as well as children. Uh, there are also another couple of adult clinics around the country. There should be no reason why adults cannot be seen by a dietitian and go on the ketogenic diet if they're failing medication or they've got horrific side effects or they're on a cocktail of medication and they're still having seizures. There are those adult urologists that will argue that we need an adult clinical trial. And until this happens, then the adults uh, are not going to get on the diet. And certainly that's an argument against funding the adult clinics. So at the moment, because adults are not mentioned in the NICE guidelines, the hospitals and services don't have to provide adult services. Okay. Now, this is a really big bugbear of mine. So my argument is there are clinical trials uh, for drugs, anti-epileptic drugs that are done in adults, prove that they work, and then they are used in children. Okay, without there being clinical trials in children. So now we have a clinical trial that proves the efficacy of the diet in children. So why can't we then swap that to the adults? But apparently we can't do that or some will argue against it. To me, that's double standards and they're moving the goalposts to suit themselves. My advice to adults is kick up a stink. If you want the diet, you keep demanding it. Keep jumping up and down. Because the diet can possibly work as well for you as it does children. We know that they won't probably get as high a ketones as children, but they don't need to. But it would be, you will get more success if you've got a dietitian that is experienced in these diets, managing them for you. And the problem we have is we don't have enough adult dietitians, just the same way as we don't have enough children's dietitians and we don't have enough centers. And though we aren't likely to get more funded, apparently, unless we have adult trials. But I am arguing against the need for this because we are wasting time. Yep. And resources, actually. <laughs> and resources. Absolutely. And I find it amazing that with all this uh, furore with CBD at the moment, they're passing that quickly and the clinical trials are only just going on with some of it. But that seems to be getting through and licensed quickly. But we've got all this evidence around the ketogenic diet. It's the oldest form of treatment there is for epilepsy, but we're still having to jump through hoops with that. And this, again, comes down to money. Yeah, it does, because, I mean, you can't make money on diet no, no, <laughs> unless because, you can produce it in a bottle and sell it to someone. Yeah. Well, I think that's what people are trying to do. There are There's research going on to ketone esters and how can they get a ketogenic diet and a pill. It's, you know, that's a nice idea, but we're back to the drug idea again. Mm -hmm. the, the fact of the matter is, until we know why these diets work, until we know what is causing every type of epilepsy there is, all these neurological degenerative diseases, you know, I think there's a lot, we have to look at food more. We have to look at metabolic uh, syndromes more. I think there's a lot to be answered out there. Um, and not just in the ketogenic diet world either. I think we do have to do more research into this. And 
I think diets in general have to be taken more seriously. Why doctors seem to be okay and accepting of changing the biochemistry of the body using drugs, but all of a sudden seem to have a mental breakdown when it comes to doing exactly the same thing but using food is quite beyond me. But it's quite, it's quite spectacular to witness at times. Yeah, I've had I've had exactly the same experience. And, and actually, my argumentation is, well, you put a pill in your mouth primarily and swallow it. So and you do the same with food. So why is it so hard to get one's head around the idea that food can, in essence, be medication? Right? Well, certainly, <laughs> certainly, certainly with the ketogenic diets, I've seen some miraculous results i mean obviously i've witnessed it with my own eyes with matthew and it just changed his life but other children i've seen and adults you know adults that couldn't drive for years then got on the ketogenic diet managed to get weaned off a load of their medication go see your free and now driving holding down jobs i mean I don't know how much more evidence these people want. We have studies saying that the diet is safe so long as it's medically managed in this group of patients. Let's use it. Mm -hmm. So that in itself begs a really interesting question. We sort of touched on it a bit before, but what about having this diet strictly under medical supervision? Are are you very against people doing this and going it alone? If they've got a chronic condition and they are taking medication and they are taking, um, or they're under a doctor for uh, some kind of degenerative disease, then yes, they should be medically supervised. Um, we have had people that have tried put themselves on the diet and that we've kind of picked them up or they phoned us when they've got into a mess. Um, there are side effects to these diets, as with anything. Um, and it can... The side effects can have a knock-on effect with medications. Because we're changing the metabolism, because we're changing things around, they do have to be monitored and they do have to be supplemented. And I think if you want the diet to be given the best chance possible, you should be under somebody that's experienced with them and can step you through it and support you through it. I think you've, you've got more chance of success if you get yourself in front of somebody that is experienced with this. Like I say, but then we're on a double-edged sword because we haven't got enough people. Right, right. So what about the other, you, you, t- you referred to a couple of trials that, that are going on um, within, within your setup and your clinics, but what kind of conditions are ketogenic diets other than epilepsy? What kind of conditions are there, is it known to help? At the moment, we uh, it is re- a recognised treatment for complex and drug-resistant epilepsy. It is also a recognised treatment for metabolic disorders such as GLUT1 deficiency, where the body cannot metabolise glucose, so the diet is the, sta- the gold standard of treatment. There's also another metabolic disorder where the diet is needed, and that's called pyruvate dehydrogenous deficiency, which is a real mouthful to say, and I hope I've got it right. But so there is a couple of metabolic um, conditions there where the diet uh, is definitely needed. And that should be first line, no waiting list, get the diets in there. Um, We are looking at it now. There is more evidence coming out that it could possibly be beneficial for cancer. In our own clinic, we've been doing a case study series for brain cancer and working with the Astro Brain Tumor Fund for that. Uh, we are being approached by uh, Parkinson's organizations, Alzheimer's, um, 
also uh, neurodegenerative diseases. There's mitochondrial diseases looking at this. Um, so we kind of concentrate on the head area, but there's all sorts of different cancers as well. So there's a lot more work to be done mm-hmm. uh, on this. Obviously, the next big one is diabetes. Right. So Stanton and Keto College, where uh, we we run a three-day training program for professionals to uh, get them trained into the ketogenic diet. So it's an intensive three-day workshop. But even next year, we're including diabetes because to me, the more I learn about diabetes, and obviously it's, it's not my kind of subject because I'm more an epilepsy person, but the more I'm learning about diabetes and the madness that's going on in the treatment there because I've got friends of mine with diabetes and they're being prescribed a a normal kind of high carb diet, but then given medication to regulate their blood glucose. And I'm like, surely if they're on a lower carb diet, that would do the job, but we need to bring the experts in to do that. So um, diabetes is being the next one. I think that uh, the diet, especially type two where the lower carbohydrate diets are going to be brought in. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I recently interviewed um, Dr. Walter Longo. He he wrote um, the Longevity Diet, which essentially is not a low carbohydrate diet, but the carbs are complex carbs. So yeah. he also very much says you know loads and loads and loads of vegetables, um, yeah. relatively low protein, and get your carbs where the body's really got to work from them for them, not not essentially from tons and tons of white processed food. No. Now, into in you know a central part of his therapy protocols and the trials they're doing is to fast, and in that period of fasting, essentially what you're doing is becoming ketogenic, and they're seeing yeah. fabulous results with that. Do you think perhaps that that is maybe for a lot of people a more viable option that they don't have to go into full ketogenesis all of the time, but maybe do this regular periods of of fasting for like a week where they actually become ketogenic, but then go back to a moderate carbohydrate diet? I'm thinking more in terms of compliance here as well, you know. I personally speaking, if somebody said to me that I was to fast and not eat, that would turn me into the biggest crappiest person there would be going. Um, they do, they do have a, 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 you know, they, they call it the fasting mimicking diet. So you don't actually have to yeah. starve, but essentially it is sort of like a hardcore ketogenic diet for a week. Yeah. Or so. I mean, there's, uh, there's obviously a lot of the diets uh, around. I mean, the, Kids used to be faster before when they went on the ketogenic diet. And this in the early days when it was first sort of discovered, it was called, it, it can also be known as the starvation diet because we're mimicking the effects of starving by using the ketogenic diet. Um, and that's how it was discovered when people were ill and not eating, you know, then their seizures would stop uh, what was happening. So that's how the ketogenic diet came, to, came into being. So we mimicked the effects of starving. I'm not a huge fan of fasting, but this is me personally. Uh, some people take to it. The 5-2 diet is a great one. So you, you cut down for two days a week to the, what, 600 calories or 500 calories a day. That can be done. That's, that's fine. A lot, a lot of people swear by that for normally healthy individuals, if that's the way they want to go. I think if you've got 
if you're a healthy human being and you haven't got a chronic disease and that's the way you want to go, then have a chat with your doctor. Make sure there's no reason not to do it and, you know, for safety's sake, and then do it if that's the way you want to do it. If you've got a chronic disease, no, that I wouldn't recommend doing that, not without medical supervision. Right. Good advice. Good advice. So if somebody is interested in investigating the ketogenic diet, either for themselves or for children, family members, and they want lots of information, your organization is a great place to go. So tell us a little bit more about the sorts of things that your organization is doing to get this message out there, support families, etc. Okay, well, there's there's three sides to Matthew's Friends. So we've got the charity where uh, the information is free to families and patients. So we will support whichever way that they can. Uh, once they're on diet, we give out starter packs for the families, all that kind of thing. And um, the families have got a helpline to us. They can ring us with information. Um, so we do as much as we can. We've got a YouTube channel where people can see Mo from our Kiso Kitchen cooking. Um, we try and do as much as we can for the families. So that's the charity side of thing. We also fund dietitians in hospitals um, and we also fund our own clinic. So where there is no local service, you can ask to be referred into us. Okay. If there is a local service, we will put you over to them and say, no, you go to this hospital or no, go to that center. It's the closest one to you. So we are there as a backup service where, you know, if necessary, your doctor could apply for funding to come to our team. And we've got a neurologist. We employ neurologists, dietitians and things like that. So uh, we have a full clinic team here. Um, so there's the charity side, there's a clinic side, and there's our education side, which is Keto College, where we train medical professionals. And then we host global symposiums um, and other meetings every so often. So that's basically what we do. We are purely a medical ketogenic diet charity. Uh, we are a treatment charity. So a lot of people pass through us and we work with a lot of other syndrome charities. So for argument's sake, we're if the Drave Syndrome UK, obviously who I'm involved with um, because of Matthew, if they want information on ketogenic diet, they'll come to us. If the Lennox Gastro Syndrome, if people want ketogenic diet, they come to us. So we serve a lot of other charities and organisations providing that ketogenic diet information. And we have a, a medical board, which is made up of some of the top UK professionals in ketogenic therapies, but also international ones as well. Great. Absolutely amazing. Um, the charity is primarily directed to people who are living in the UK, but you do have international connections. For those people listening who are not in the UK, is there a, um, a sister organization or branches of your organization elsewhere or other organizations that they can get similar support and assistance? Right. There's, we cover the UK and Ireland, the mm. whole of Ireland. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's Southern Ireland included. Uh, we also have Matthew's Friends Canada and we have Matthew's Friends New Zealand. Now, New Zealand could sort of go into Australia and will give some support over there. Canada um, obviously covers that area as well. Our sister organisation is the Charlie Foundation in America. So we work with that organisation. There's the Keeley Foundation in Africa 
are they're based in South Africa. So there are various organizations that we can link into. Obviously, in India, there's Kishanik Diets for India. So we do have um, connections all over the world and we will support all, all over the world. And sometimes our information is taken and translated as well for various countries. And Matthew's Friends is also working with the European Reference Networks now and the Epicare one, which is for rare and complex epilepsies, where we're now taking the diets into all those countries in Europe and making sure that their centres are trained and have uh, this information available for their patients. It's absolutely fabulous. Uh, It's an amazing resource. And for anybody who wants that, we'll we'll put all the links into the uh, show notes. Please get in touch and have a look at this amazing website. There's so much love and energy in there and and the best information. Um, One thing I did want to ask you was, you you touched on that at the very beginning. Um, How did you manage to not just have that anger eat you up and and push it into a positive place because you know you you there was a window there which you were forced through bad advice to miss that could have really made a difference for Matthew how do you deal with that because I can imagine a lot of parents really really struggle thankfully when they find the right information but oftentimes they too find it essentially too late how how does one get through that to be brutally honest, I don't know whether you ever do. Um, I worked out that if I'd got Matthew on the diet when I first asked for it and not the five, six years later, I would have saved him over 24,720 seizures as a minimum. And that's a number that's ingrained on my brain. Um, I've... It's a difficult one to answer because if I sit here and I'm completely honest, I don't think I still haven't come to terms with it, to be quite honest. Um, Although I thought I was doing as I was told at the time and I thought, you know, you, you take your children to the doctors and you go, please cure them. And that's when I learned that they don't always know everything. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dissing the medical profession. They're doing the best that they can. But they, when I'm going to a specialist and it came down to the fact that she just didn't like the diet, she wasn't a believer in it, and then that blocked my access. That's what I found difficult because it's not the centre you're under, it's who you're in front of and what they particularly believe with, but believe. And then I go into another room and I meet Professor Cross, who's, you know, headed our medical board for years and she had a totally different attitude she was far more open of going well actually we we need to I think we do need to prove this because I believe that it works and we need the clinical trials and let's get it done and still to this day she leads the epicare she's proactive and we have got these neurologists that are proactive but for some reason the diet I don't think is sexy enough you know it's not like a new drug there's no money in it and I think that's half the problem. It's not, it's not brain surgery. It's not a revolutionary drug that's going to change everything. We're talking about food. We're talking about food given in a specific way that you can go into the supermarket and buy and give the person you love and it will make them better or it could do. We right. know that for two thirds of people that go on the diet, they will have a positive reaction to the diet. And yet we are still fighting to get them on. 
because yeah. and it's down to money it's down to there's not enough money in it companies aren't making millions out of it there's uh, yeah, the hospitals are not earning out of it so at the end of the day our children our adults our loved ones are not getting access to a possible treatment that could help them and we're still fighting for it well, I hope very much that, that this podcast actually extends our audience and that, that realm of knowledge a little bit more. And on that note, um, a lot of my listeners are therapists themselves, amongst which mm-hmm. are many nutritionists. So if you are a classically trained nutritionist, how do you get this extra training so that for those who are perhaps interested in actually moving into this area as an area of specialty? I think um, until we get... You know, I'd love to see a dietitian in every GP surgery uh, or a, a good qualified nutritional therapist, obviously, that can work in there. Um, I think they should be working closer together. I think if they work closer together than the dietitians and the nutritional therapists, then we might be able to get more access to different diets for different conditions. And we might be able to actually make a difference to people's lifestyles as well as those with chronic diseases. Um, and I think the lifestyle and diets and uh, all these different kind of things need to be taken a lot more seriously. Um, but I would like to see them work together. But if they want access to training, um, then they're more than welcome to contact me. Uh, we do have the a keto, uh, keto College training course that we run every year, and that's growing year on year. We have people coming in from all over the world to get training. Great. Wonderful. I can't believe that the time has just run away. I could talk to you for hours. I mean, and, and your energy is just incredible. Um, is there anything else that, that you feel really vital that you want to get out there as a, as a take home message for, for people who perhaps are not so familiar with this subject, but are suffering perhaps from problems and diseases in family members or themselves? If they want more information, then they can email me, emma at matthewsfriends.org. I do have a lot of emails. I will get there eventually. I may not be able to answer within the same day, but I do get there eventually. Um, You can always email me. Um, Always come through via the site. Don't give up. Don't take no for an answer. Keep going. Keep fighting. Um, If you've got a... All I can say is if, if you've got that little voice down inside going, no, something's not right here, or I want this, or I want to try it, I want to give it a go, then keep going for it. Believe in it. Believe in yourself. Um, you've got a right to try this treatment. Not everybody going on the diet is going to benefit from it. But the thing is, we don't know until we try. And the fact is, within three months, we say commit yourself to three months to the diet. Within three months, you'll know whether the diet's benefiting you or not. And three months is not a, long, a lot of time. No, it isn't. So uh, you've got nothing to lose and possibly everything to gain. We'll do everything we can to help you. But join us. Come and join us. Fight with us. Um, support us. Because the, the more we've got people supporting us, the more we can do, the more we can lobby, the more I can stand up and shout from my soapbox on behalf of those that maybe are feeling a, t- a little bit too too fragile to do it themselves at the moment because I do like to to get a soapbox out about this subject. Yeah, and you do it spectacularly well. All power to you. So 
So here on London Heal, I always ask three little questions at the end of every interview because we talk about mind, body, spirit medicine, and I like to think of that in terms of um, health, happiness, and serenity. So mm-hmm. health, how do you personally define health after all you've been through? What what does that word mean to you? Health. Um, I think with me, a lot of it is is intertwined. Is I I feel happy for the most part i feel content um i can get up in the morning although as i'm getting older i've got a few more aches and 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 pains but um it's being energized i'm lucky that i'm energized in what i do i love doing even though there are some days you hear stories which break your heart but i love the fact that we can make a difference that we keep going i'm sad that we have to but um, health-wise, no, I just kind of, I eat nice food, I uh, look after myself on that front, and I'm lucky that I've got a very supportive uh, friends and family as well. So it's, yeah, so I think that's what keeps me healthy and well. But, yeah, food plays a lot of that. I'm a real foodie. I like good food. <laughs> so on that note, happiness, what, what sort of things does, does Emma do to, to get happy? What makes you happy? Oh, crikey. Dancing. I love a dance. Um, dance like nobody's watching. <laughs> I, it's great fun. And what a wonderful form of exercise. Never mind. I've done all the fundraising. I've run marathons and done all that. Kind of, now I just dance around the kitchen like a loony. Um, and it's a great form of exercise. Um, spending time with my kids, obviously. My, my daughter's now at medical school training to be a doctor. And to see her bloom in that way, I mean, it just does my heart good. I've got fantastic friends and family and a lovely partner. So I'm very lucky insofar as that makes me happy. People being around those that I love make me very happy. Great. And what about serenity with somebody with such a crazy life as you have with all of your obligations and everything? um, Do you ever have any specific practices or make a point of trying to just turn the noise down sometimes? Do you know, yeah, I... I do. That's when the music may change and I won't be dancing like a loony around the kitchen. Uh, Music is nice to listen to. I switch off by watching some mind-numbingly dull TV sometimes, which I don't have to think about, Um, but just makes me laugh. Um, Failing that, do you know something? Nothing. You can't be a good walk along the beach or walk uh, along the hills and get some fresh air into you. Um, so, yeah, that's my serenity. And I think most of all, uh, faith, my faith. So your faith that you keep going. So, um, yeah, I think my faith is an important thing that's carried me through everything. Fabulous. Emma, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to me. I also absolutely honour and acknowledge everything you've, you've done. And oh, I'll thank do you for it. asking. I feel um, privileged. You know, it's it's really amazing the support that you're giving other people. And I think really what you did is channel that anger into the best place possible, which is to be able to help so many other people. And I really, really honor you for it. Um, as a as a last message, what are the future plans for for Matthew's friends? Where are you going to go? Wow. Um, well, at the moment, the future plans next month, we launch the online tutorials. So a lot of your nutritional therapists will be able to um, download some online, um, get access to online training materials. 
um, and tutorials that are given by our keto college experts. So this is for those in resource strapped areas or anybody that wants access to them that we can, um, they can actually get some training online. It's not as good as coming to the actual meeting and hands on, but it's a start to make sure that these diets are carried out correctly. So we're launching those and then we get ready to host the huge, huge global uh, ketogenic diet conference, which we bring to Brighton in 2020. So at the moment, half my team are out in Jeju in South Korea. They're just finishing the global conference out there and we've got some speakers. But then Matthew's friends host the seventh global one, which is over 600 people attend these conferences. And we're hosting that in Brighton in 2020. So look out for all that's coming up with that because the program's going to be coming out soon and all that starts. So, yeah, that's that's everything goes on hold now until until that one starts. Wonderful. Well, just leaves me to wish you all the very best with the with the with the projects um you're doing absolutely fabulous work and i highly encourage everybody listening to check out the website because it's a mine of information and even if it's not actually something which affects you personally you know information always has a knock on effect maybe you'll come across somebody who needs to know this so get informed be un- be aware of, of what's available and what's out there because there are so many diseases that I actually think this type of approach is really going to help. Oh, absolutely. So once again, Emma, thanks very, very much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you for asking. It's been a, it's been a privilege. It's a privilege for me. Absolutely. And we'll see you again, hopefully at the very latest 2020 and really promote that conference. Brilliant. Yeah. I'd love to talk to you again. Love to. Well, dear listeners, I hope you got as much out of that episode as I did. Emma is an absolute force of nature. Um, she is really, really on a crusade with this, and quite rightly so, because it's such a relatively simple approach that can have enormous impact. However, it is not without its issues, and that's the reason why she, I think that came over very clearly highly recommends that anybody with any kind of pathology, any kind of disease who's considering this as an approach should definitely do so with medical supervision. And as she said, if you don't get joy wherever you go asking, then keep asking, ask elsewhere, and you can always use their site as an amazing resource. And as Emma so kindly said, you know she really will actually answer emails. But I try not to uh, weigh her down with too much extra work. And please, as a first stop, just look at the website because it's full of absolutely amazing information, which I'm sure will be really informative. And of course, for all the therapists out there, please consider expanding your knowledge base by looking at some of the work and training materials that she has available. So, my dear listeners, um, as always, we ask you to rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe. Please help us get this sort of information out to people who really need it. You see how important that is in the case of um, Emma and her story with Matthew and the organization Matthew's Friends. So please tell all your friends and get yourself informed and pass the message on to those who really need it. If you want to have detailed information on our podcast and don't want to have to go back, re-listen to the episode and take notes, then you can spare yourself the trouble by signing up to LondonHeal.com, where every week you'll get extended podcast notes 
that are part of a newsletter that drop into your mailbox every Friday morning, together with all the links to the newest episode. Please go ahead and do that. And of course, now it just leaves me to say to you, as always, that we wish you from the bottom of my heart, health, happiness, and serenity. <laughs>